Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Mars. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? This is also NPR. We're going to talk today about squash and the best ways to cook it. There's spaghetti squash. Yeah. First, you boil the squash. You then cut it. <laughs> I don't know how to make anything with squash. <laughs> I don't like squash. I don't really either. All but right. So this is actually the Matches Modern <laughs> Podcast, not an NPR, as I said before. Um, Thanks for you. Almost just got me to go on a tangent about squash just now. <laughs> that almost really just happened. Yeah, that was. I I have a man of many skills, <laughs> specifically revolving around how to derail conversations. Um, all right, let's get into the episode about magic cards. Yeah, sweet. So, uh, today we're talking about, um, there's been some news, like team stuff, that we're going to talk a little bit about, and then we're going to yep. talk about the Digital Next uh, announcement by Wizards, and um, then throw a party at the end. Yeah, well, it's Kessler's birthday. Uh, when this episode releases tomorrow. Yeah, oh yeah, totally. It's your birthday tomorrow. Yeah. If I say it now, can I? am I excused if I forget tomorrow? Yes. All right. Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I won't really forget, guys. Technically, the audio of this podcast, listened by all of our viewers, will be saying it to me repeatedly for now, all day tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if um, when we asked if it was possible that we would get to 3,000 on Twitter. Um, we got to 2,900. Yeah, that's pretty good, right? Yeah. We, you know. I mean, we're st- we're missing a little bit in the whole hundred. Everyone just disappointed me on my birthday. <laughs> if you guys are listening to this on the Friday and you don't follow on Twitter, let's just give Kessler a birthday present. <laughs> let's just go ahead and follow and try to get us to three thousand today. It would be really awesome, and and then tweet at you know, it. You know, actually, I would say do I'd rather do I'd rather good in the world. <laughs> you know, yeah, do something good. But if if it's going to be selfish for me. <laughs> Pick your favorite episode of the MM cast of all of our episodes and share that episode on your Twitter That'd or Facebook. Cool. Facebook's probably better, but somewhere that you have a social media account. Yeah, like the one that just spoke to you, the one that you had the most fun yeah. listening to. Um, so, with that in mind, you can find us on Twitter at the MM cast. Yep. Uh, I'm at Kess Wiley. I'm at Ben Bateman Media. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, pretty much if there's a social media out there and you search the MM cast or the masters of modern podcast or masters of modern, we're the ones that show up. You should go follow that. Subscribe on iTunes. Probably give us some reviews on iTunes. We haven't gotten iTunes reviews in a long time. Yeah, I know. For all the people that are listening since our last iTunes review extravaganza, which was a year and a half ago, you should go check out iTunes and review there. Yeah, our friend Austin Bach, for whatever reason, his review, even though it's... It glitched, and so he's always... Yeah, it glitched, so he's always the top review, which is hilarious, because it's like not the most recent, but it looks like it's the most recent, and Mm -hmm. it's like the shortest one, too. It's like very informative and entertaining, but it's like (laughs) our friend, too, so like it makes it even more just like, thanks, Austin. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, We'll always be remembered. (laughs) Never forget. (laughs) We'll always be remembered, yes. Um... I've always, I've, he's so much better at magic than I am. He's like an actual, like legitimate, you know, pro yeah. level player. Yeah, yeah. But I always wanted to be able to say to him if I beat him at like a high level match, like that was very informative and entertaining. <laughs> 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 Someday. Um, anyway, so uh, otherwise, our, our sister podcast, The Command Zone, is available on yep. collected.company, the same place you can find us. They have great YouTube content as well. It's collected.company. What, what? And yep. uh, let's get into the news. 
So yeah, there was a there's the big announcement that uh, the soft launch for the Pro Tour Team Series kicked off. Uh, there are 32 different teams have submitted their rosters. Uh, it's funny looking through the 32. There's like there's like all of these massive teams. I was looking through, being like, okay, I'm expecting to see you know the the, the two or three like the channels, the Star Cities, maybe like an Ultra Pro Team, and then maybe maybe like one or two others that were relevant. But I was looking through it, I was like, I felt like every other list, I was like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a really good team. That team could just be the team. Um, so I think the way that this works is uh, there, there. It's it's not launching yet. So it's the soft launch. Um, pro points earned by the best five finishes from the team members of each team are added up at the end of each pro tour, and then the total is added to the team score. Uh, so this actually, let's see, the teams with the top two scores at the end of the 2016-17 season. Uh, which will conclude with the Pro Tour Hour of Devastation in Japan in July, will be invited to compete in a team finals set to take place in 2017 in Boston in October. So that's what this is all for. Uh, it doesn't actually affect the like individual performances by the players at the Pro Tour. They're still performing single. They're just like sure. linked as a team. So like They're encouraged to practice together, get better together. Play the same deck. How many players are on average on each team? Six. Six. Okay. There is are, it a locked head six? Yeah, yeah I think yeah. every list is six. Okay. Yeah. So some of like the some of the bigger ones I'll, I'll just rattle through. Um, you have team top level, which is Craig Wesco, Raphael Levy, Patrick Chapin, Brian Ronduin, Mike Ron, and Dan Lanthier. Um, that's I mean, you have Chapin and Wesco are Pro Tour champions. Is Bron Dune a Pro Tour champion too? Raphael Levy, I think, is a Pro Tour champion. The team's stacked. Yeah, that's a super stacked team. Um, you have Puzzle Quest. That's Reed Duke, Owen Turtenwald, William Huey Jensen, John Finkel, Andrew Cunio, and Paul Rietzel. Jeez. <laughs> are they sponsored by the Magic Puzzle Quest team, or are they just going uh, on a quest for some puzzles? No, it doesn't, it doesn't say anything about them being sponsored. If they are... I'm I mean, assuming they are. Yeah. I mean, that's a ridiculous team. You got yeah, Rietzel's champion, Finkel's the greatest player of all time, Turtenwald's the best player in the world, Reed Duke's a champion, I think Huey Jensen's a champion, I don't think Cunio... I think he's a grand. I think he maybe is a grand prix champion. From the perspective of the puzzle quest guys, that kind of makes sense because puzzle quest, like they have like a good ink, like they have an income from their apps, right? And like maybe the magic one isn't. But if I was like, I want my magic themed app to get more viewers, how do I like make that happen? Oh, I'll sponsor a pro team like that. Right. That sounds like something that like. Yeah, I like to they see would that. Do. I like to like more of the team mentality. So what I started to notice was that. Those couple I just read, there's like a few others like that where most of the st- the roster is well known or stacked like that. Mm-hmm. Almost every team has at least one player where you'd be like, "Oh yeah, I saw that guy in a Pro Tour top eight recently," or "That guy's a Pro Tour champion." But then a lot of the other teams, it's like just that one name or two names. Um, Got it. So, kind of looking through the rest of these ones, uh, this is an interesting one. M- team Mutiny. Um, this is David Ochoa, Josh Cho, Jerry Thompson, Justin Cohen. Matthew Severa and Sam Black. Severa, I think. Uh, that's like a pretty interesting one. It's Jerry like the, T and the Sam Magic Black. TV. Yeah, well, also, like, can you imagine being on a team with Jerry T and Sam Black if there were six of you? Like, how sweet of the decks would those Like, they'd be yeah. such sweet. Like, I would love to be the worst player on that team <laughs> <laughs> because I would have like two of the other five members of my team would be open to me calling and be like, okay, I've got this sweet idea for Brew. Check this out. And, like, I know Jerry and Sam would be, like, that's a really bad idea, but let's try it anyway. Because they're, like, into trying bad cards and making them good. Sure. So that team seems super sweet. Just like you, yeah. 
Um, there's then there's a bunch of like there's a whole bunch of like uh, national teams. So you have like Musashi, that's Kentaro Yamamoto, Yuyu Watanabe, Kenyuka Hiro, Yuchi Ichikawa, Toriyo Kakume, and Shadow Yasuka. That's Got a it. crazy sick team. These guys are all like super super good. Um, yeah, a bunch of joined teams. Mox Box Bowl. This is the one that's like a hodgepodge of old players from other East West Bowl teams. Okay. East West Bowl like broke off into a few teams, I think. Well, because they were like 12 people. So at a bare minimum, they needed to get down to that six number. So yeah, Mox Box Bowl is like Ben Friedman, Alex Majajan, Matt Majajan, I think, Eugene Wang, Rob Pisano, Brandon Fisher, and Paul Yeem. So we know half those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like our local guys. Um, yeah, basically, I was looking for like the other top ones, the ones at, like the very, very top of the list. Oh yeah, here you go. So like the very the very first teams list. Jesus, way more teams lists than I realized. Um, I was looking for Corey's team, friend of the podcast, Corey Burkhart. Uh, Pat Cox, Matt Nass, Martin Yuza, Josh Utterlayton, Corey Burkhart, Paul Chian. That's Channel Fireball Fire, and then Channel, Fi- Channel Fireball Ice is PVR, Mike Sigrist, Yo Larson, Ben Stark. Andre Strowski and Eric Froelich. So, like, both of those teams are pretty stacked. Those are, like, a lot of, like, journalists, uh, writers, and big players that we see all the time. So, that's just a few of them. There's a bunch of, like, super, super great teams. Um, there's even some super good teams that I didn't mention. Just go look it up. You'll see. It's it's cool. <laughs> it's cool to see that they're, they're putting a little bit of organization behind it. But you see what I mean about well, it. Well, I think the team thing is really cool. I think that, in general, sports that have a team component are uh, more enjoyable and easier for people to kind of get along with and, and watch. You know, when you deal with these massive tournaments with single players, you get stuff in like the tennis format where you do get a few of the big players, but you don't really pay attention kind of to how people are doing as a group. And it's a lot easier to associate yourself with a group of players than it is to do just a single person. Yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, from a viewership perspective, I mean, we've talked a lot about just magic viewership in general and why it's, difficult to you know assimilate to it but um i definitely think that it helps to have yeah well like like some of the issues like say like oh man i love lsv period no matter what if he does well i'm going to be super excited but lsv LSV does bad then then my like my my horse that i'm betting on just kind of is done for the weekend that's a three-day event that no longer like the person i'm trying to watch is doing anything where if i have a whole team yeah, maybe Corey does does badly day one. Knock on wood that he doesn't. And then, right. uh, but then I have the rest of Channel Fireball Fire. Yeah. To to kind of root for, and so that kind of gives me. Yeah. Backup plans. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. So that pretty much covers the team segment of the show today. Any other major news going on that we wanted to talk about? Anything else come to mind for you that's super important to talk about? In regards to magic. Yeah. No. What's going on? Oh, in the world? Everything is nah, I going mean, places. It's exciting. Uh, and by exciting, I mean stressful. And terrifying. My company's doing stuff. That's fun. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Anything you can talk about? Uh, I'll have board games in stores That's for summer. Sweet. Yeah, That's starting really in cool. August. So we'll, we'll probably talk about those more as we get closer. I'll be able to tell more after February. All right. Cool. Cool. Uh, and all right, now to the main subject, Magic Digital. Today's kind of just like a big news thing, because I guess Magic Digital is kind of news. Sort of. We don't have an official announcement, but all of the pieces... I think there was an official announcement. Well, I mean, not about what it is or when it's coming. But there is Magic Digital. MT Digital Next is the yeah. thing, right? So so this is like a thing that has been a topic of conversation for years. And I, I guess over the course of the last year, there's been a Wait, lot of... people like to complain about Moto? Yeah. A, sorry. So there's, so there's been a bunch <laughs> of pieces that have dropped over the course of the last year. And, and everything from 
certain hirings and like very um like the biggest one by like a wide margin was that last year Wizard of the like long time Wizards of the Coast CEO CEO Greg Leeds resigned. Right. And was replaced by Chris Cox, who was a Microsoft ex- executive with the, like that basically focused on video gaming yep. and online gaming. So just that in a bare minimum perspective, if you ignore every other announcement, is probably a big signifier that they're trying to move magic to become a better or at least have a arm of magic to become a better competitor with Hearthstone and other digital products. Yep. And, and to take advantage of its current status as a um, pseudo esport, because I, I I would say Magic is more like not necessi- more like poker than an esport, and I wouldn't say poker is an esport. And we've talked about this a hundred times, but it has a lot of esport esque activities going on. Yeah, definitely, and I and I think everybody's curious what the next. Uh, I'm gonna sneeze. You keep talking. I mean, uh, where we're gonna go next? I mean, when you look at. The biggest flaws, and, and there's a good article by Chaz Andres, a friend of the cast, uh, yeah. who on Star City Games um, is through the paywall, um, but about what are the different things that digital is going to be doing, and we're going to be borrowing a little bit from that article today, among other sources. But I mean, when you look at Modo as a problem, it's a very difficult program to make user friendly. Yeah, I mean. He, he talks a lot about like a lot of different possible options. Now, here's the thing that I find the most um, not frustrating or upsetting, but um, I'm anxious about is that the common the, the, the common thought process here is, okay, you have the way that magic paper magic works, which is like a lot of our steps are very intuitive, skipping phases and things like that. Like just by, you know, we don't I don't need to acknowledge your first main phase if you go straight to your attack. Right. I'm just assuming you're not doing anything. Same with upkeep, stuff like that. But the number of the number of interactions that can happen in a turn where like I do something then you do something on my turn, obviously Moto has managed to sort of like come up with all of the triggers and cues and reminders to do those things. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of the way that it functions is a little clunky. So the suggestion here is that you obviously try to get it closer to a game like Hearthstone. Hearthstone's not just better from a functionality perspective because it's prettier or smoother, it's simpler. Sure. There's That's, no instance. Instance seems to be one of the big ones where, like, because I can react to anything you do. Um, and then Duels of the Planeswalkers tried to fix this, where basically every action you have, there's a timer that I get to react towards. Um, but even then, that had clunky issues. Then, like, there's there's just kind of an issue of how do you deal with this problem. It's an incredibly complicated game, is, yeah. the, is the problem. I mean, it's, it's, it's both a gift and a curse, right? It's the best game of all time for that reason. That's the reason we like it. Um, it's, it's this incredibly, it's like this malleable puzzle where you can almost like shape the pieces to fit together in any way you want, as long as they fit in the grand sort of macro structure of the game. I mean, that's the thing about being a brewer we like, that's the thing about them printing new cards. And when they print new cards, they're always pushing the boundaries. So how do you take all of that and put it into a, a simpler, more pleasing digital client without just ruining the game? Well, the things that Chaz mentions in his article and these our real concerns are like, I don't think that there's an easy fix that just makes Mitko better. Like that's not well. That's and and, that, and that's kind of what a lot of people are theorizing. What Magic Digital Next is going to be, which is not Moto, is not Magic the Gathering Online. It's not a direct comparable. Because if you also look at what Wizards has done over the last two years, they've kind of licensed out their IP to other products, and you get the 
Duels of the Planeswalkers, which is a magic comparable, but you you get the puzzle quest, magic puzzle quest. You get the um, the board game that they came out with, um, and all of these were kind of magic themed, but not. And like I can very much see them coming out with a Hearthstone esque version of magic that's a kind of a complete grounds up rule change um, that plays differently than magic does. Well, here's my problem with that. Um... I guess in the grand scheme of things, when you compare Magic's numbers, their digital numbers, to the digital streaming numbers of any of the major major esports, mm-hmm. Magic's tiny, like compared. Yeah. Um, like a tier two Magic, uh, Hearthstone, Hearthstone streamer has more views than the Pro Tour. Yeah. So, I mean, if that's the case, like, I guess we're not. We're if in the grand scheme of making this popularized, we're not really gambling much. Um, in wizards' minds, right? If they're thinking we're trying to compete, then what they're what they're gambling with right now is a very small thing compared to what the ultimate prize would be. My problem is you're never going to get rid of the paper cards because the paper cards are what the game is made about. It's the it's a collectible card game. Mm-hmm. I mean, at its core, it is a CCG, and that's there is something that is incredibly satisfying about having a binder full of your sweetest cards and getting your foil versions. Like that will never go away. Um, Magic Online has been sort of like the the crack digital extension version for people who want to do the same thing but just do it on their computer do it more effectively more efficiently i guess if you try to add this new component and it's different then i feel like magic online becomes just kind of this like well no, if it's different magic online doesn't go away magic online just becomes kind of the advanced version of what this is in the sense that like i don't think they get rid of it they've stated they're not getting rid of it so people like you know, anyone doing you know competitive grinding still has this available to them to do that. They can draft a hundred times in a, an afternoon versus currently where they have to, you know, otherwise go to a store to do that kind of content. Like having a translation of Magic the Digital and a mobile friendly, you know, uh, easier version of Magic that has a lot of the Magic flavor and gameplay without having a lot of the Magic rules baggage. Um, that's the easiest thing for them to do. I know, but that's like I feel like that's not going to work if they're trying to make this a big like if they're trying to make this a smash hit. This is this is the issue. It's going to be okay. Imagine this. Well, why, why, like say say they just come out with Magic Hearthstone. So agreed. You, you don't you don't lose any of the people that need to play Magic and want to play Magic on the thing, but you get the whole audience of people that are playing Hearthstone, but maybe you're looking for a little bit more of a serious gameplay experience or maybe a little bit more advanced, like maybe make the Magic version a better, more in complicated version of Hearthstone because there's ways to make Hearthstone less, you know, what it is. Just for the record, anybody who's listening to this episode, it's the first time you're listening. Kessler is aware that he's saying Hearthstone, not Hearthstone. He yes. does it on purpose. Yeah. I don't um, do it on purpose. It's just <laughs> I don't correct myself on purpose. So, uh, no, that's fine. So let's just, uh, we've talked about this a hundred times. If, if there's a Hearthstone that is Magic, it's the functionally the same thing. It looks great, and it has all the animations and everything like that. And you've eliminated a lot of the complicated things that Hearthstone eliminated to make it the simpler version, uh, or the related and similar game. But you get that with Magic. You can't do all of the things that make like the intricacies of Magic work. So the secondary market, the 
the actual high-level gameplay where you're grinding to the highest level of competition, you can create a duels, like a duels or duels with the, the Planeswalker Those two product. things are pretty easy to accomplish. I mean, like, you just do a basic bizarre. Like, the, the Moto trading f- platform is one of the, like, worst things I've ever experienced in my life. But again, like... So Putting just, like, you have your collection, you can put it up there. Any card you want to sell, you post up there, and anyone that wants it can get it from you, and and you get points for that. And but are you saying that. that it's the same cards as regular Magic? No, they're different cards. So it's entirely new cards. Basically a new game that has different expansions than the Magic the Gathering product. Maybe similar cards. Maybe similar cards have similar names. So in the board game, Unsummon is a card in that board game. It does something different than Unsummon and Magic does, but it has the same art and it has the same cost. It just is a more functional spell in that framework than what it is in Magic. The idea being that you're getting you're getting digital esports players, new players that have never played Magic, that will find this new game appealing enough that they don't really that wizards and they don't really care. But I know and, a bunch of people that play Magic that play Hearthstone, but would love to play better version of Hearthstone. What you're saying is that they would be bringing in these new people, and they wouldn't really be worried that the game is backwards compatible to paper and the old version. They would just be trying to create a product for players and building a new ecosystem. The whole thing. It's actually unrelated. It's just it just has flavor and ties to the old game because Correct. of the IP, and a lot of the functionality would probably be pretty similar. But you're saying they basically start from scratch with a great deal of inspiration for Magic. This is the that is the easiest option. I'm not saying this is what they should do. I'm not saying that this is what they're going to do. I'm saying that if you want to pick the easiest option for them that has the least risk and the highest chance of just being fine, that's the option. So because at that situation. You're just creating another product. Like they make D and D and magic. Like they even make a D and D themed magic book. Like Mad- Witch of the Coast and Hasbro make many products, and some of them are licensed by Magic. We have the board game that wasn't that was made by a different Hasbro team. We have Puzzle Quest, which has none of the rules of Magic, but you still have Oath of Nyssa or, or cards like that that are like called something, but then do something with their Puzzle Quest mechanic. Do you think? As a longtime Magic player who understands the game entirely and knows every rule, intricacy, and all those things, that you would have any interest in porting over your time, your energy into this new product. Let's just say it was 70% as complex, but some just a few of the things, like there was a limitation to number of responses, they eliminated one phase. These are a few of the things that Chaz suggested. Yeah. Um, like a couple things that would just make it a little bit easier to digest. And it and it was beautiful. Like get rid of, get, yeah, make it so you. I mean, Chaz's recommendations were get rid of instants or make it so instants only react at certain times. Yeah, there's there's and not and, entirely his suggestion because I think his. Was, I, there are many suggestions. Yeah, I think made. a lot of his suggestions. I think if you pare it down too much, it's worthless. Yeah, if, yeah. if you pare it down, because it's like I'll answer the question I'm asking. Wait, 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 you. Ask, ask the question. So yeah, would you be interested in investing? You know, you play Destiny. You play any new game that comes out that's yeah. exciting to you. You play a lot of. I Magic. played Hearthstone. I played League of Legends. Yeah. yeah. And you have a limited amount of time you can invest into a game. And if this is a different game than Magic the Gathering, so this is not just your Magic fix. Sure. This is, you know, Magic the, the Gordering or whatever it's called. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mobile Magic. Yeah, something. Are you going to invest time into something that's just 70% as complex as the game you already love, but just so you can play it in a more mobile and friendly and, like, accessible way to the world? Uh, I would invest the time I've at, at a bare minimum I've spent on Hearthstone into that no problem. Because, like, if you look at, like, I didn't, I played Hearthstone because I was like, oh, it's Magic, but I can play on my phone. Right. Yeah, And, totally. like, there are times where I can't play Magic or do any, or I'm, stuck like, waiting in an airport. Right. That happens to me way more than I kind of like. <laughs> or, you know, Ubering anywhere. Yeah. Having the ability to jump on for an eight-minute game of Magic. Yeah. That, like, 
you know, one of the problems with Hearthstone for me is it's also hard for me to kind of judge the balance of how that ecosystem works because you have 30 life, creatures yeah. take damage in different ways, but if it works like magic on those facets, so I can kind of judge what's going on, the difference between a spell evaluation and a different spell evaluation isn't me starting from scratch. So, like, there's a lot of my problems with Hearthstone would probably go away in that environment because I know, oh, green-green for a 3-3 three, three is decent in draft. So there's a hilarious there's a hilarious correlation here that I just just came to mind that um, I think would be one of the major topics that people discuss, which is that Hearthstone for players I, I've used the phrase mm -hmm. already like seven times on this podcast is a simpler version of Magic. That's like well, that's a common comparison. Even the people that designed it have, were former yeah, Magic players. For sure, um, that's not a secret. Just cutting away instant speed anything makes anything a simpler version of Magic. <laughs> so the easiest esport for a Magic player to transition into if they've never been a video game person is Hearthstone. That's that's pretty obvious. Right. The question becomes: Hearthstone has like 50 million accounts now. So how many? How how would you get the Hearthstone players to jump back over to the Wizards of the Coast digital product? And would that happen? Would you get those players, or would they just say, "I've already got a game I like. Now I know the rules in this game. I don't want to learn the rules in this slightly similar." But I think you'd have. Game. I think you'd have some of those, but I think you'd get a chunk of people that are because Hearthstone is also complained about regularly. One of the problems with Hearthstone is it gets solved very quickly. Uh, one of the problems with Hearthstone is that RNG is kind of too insane. Um, one of the problems with Hearthstone is that, you know, maybe you just don't like some of the other facets of how, like, what the gameplay is and where they're at right now. So, you know, most people I know that play Hearthstone, their statement is Hearthstone is way worse than what Magic is doing, but I can do it on my phone. I can do it conveniently. I can do it anywhere I'm at. Games are short, and it's not hard for me to kind of pick up. If, oh. if Wizards can overcome that, if, mo if they could make a Moto on an iPad and an iPhone that, like, felt functional and felt like a fuller game than what Duels of the Planeswalkers was, then they would be much farther ahead than they are right now. I also wonder a little bit if, like, a lot of people that play Hearthstone have that feeling of, like, well, this is sweet. It's kind of like Magic, but I haven't played Magic since I was a kid. Magic was popular in high school. This reminds me of Magic, but this is easy and I can play it on my phone. Sure. Now you're telling me there's a Magic version of Hearthstone right. available. I'll try it out. Whatever. It's a free download. Chaz talks about the $10 buy-in for, for Moto, but the fact that they, if they wanted to make this successful, would have to eliminate that and make it a free buy-in, a freemium product mm -hmm. like like uh, Hearthstone is. When we say freemium, we mean that it's free to download it. You can play it for free at the beginning. You get a couple packs when you start. But ultimately, if you want the brand new cards, you want to tech out your decks, you want to have the hottest new stuff, it does cost you money. Not a ton of money, sure. but the packs are like a buck fifty. It's like League of Legends. If you grind out, you can get a new character about once a month, but then they come out with the characters fast enough that if you want the newest character, you're going to have to spend real money to get it quickly, or you can save up to try and get it later. And that's how you know you can grind in Hearthstone to get all the cards, or you can pay a bunch of money to get, or not a bunch of money, but some money to get all of it now. It's a time kind of... Right. It's like how a lot of these... I think, I think um, Clash of Clans was sort of like that same thing, right? Yeah, other games yeah. are a little worse because they do the timestamp thing where you can't do it. You can't do this thing unless you pay money, right? Versus these, which is like you can play as much as you want, and the more you play, the more likely you are to earn the things you want without having to pay money, right? Is a slightly different, yeah, deal. So then, what about the secondary market economy? That's that's the thing that I start to wonder about. This, that's I don't, I don't think you can. You need to get rid of that. I mean, the way Hearthstone works is you just delete cards and they create a material that lets you buy new cards. Dust. Which is fine. Um, I think you can, if you wanted to hold on to the magic trading thing, there are other 
trading platforms that you can make that would work that way. Uh, for instance, a bizarre kind of situation where you could sell cards to other people or you just post. And like in Moto, what Moto should be is I list all the cards I have in my collection that I want to get rid of and some, anyone can come and buy it for, for tickets. Hmm. And that's the easy way. And then I come back to my computer. It's like, oh, my weird, random, you know, my black, white man land sold. Great. I can now have two extra tickets to buy something with. I feel like the demand. Yeah. I mean. Mm. It, 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 it might make the economy too efficient, which is what Wizards is hoping not to accomplish with this, which is fine. But like making your player base miserable on a program to make it so that you can connect. I mean, I think the first thing that happens beyond anything is that Moto needs to like disconnect itself from real Magic cards. I think the connection between those two from a, like, oh, I can redeem these is, is bad for Moto and probably bad for Magic. Um, sorry, I just got a controversial text I will read later. Um, I agree that it is bad for Magic. I, so so I, I guess my final thought on this is, like, <clears throat> my final thought on this is, Whatever they do, whatever the product that they come up with, whatever, however related or unrelated it is. I mean, it's better not be your final. We have got at least 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, final thought on... I, I, on the, on the, this option of... Well, I guess final thought on a completely renovated, different game version of Magic that is like Hearthstone, but with the themes of Magic as the competitor that is a separate game than Paper Magic and Moto. It's the safest option from the point of view of not screwing with something that already exists and is already successful because even though the streaming numbers of Magic are not even, you know, on they're the same level as a second-tier Hearthstone streamer, you can't stream I mean you can stream paper if you have a video crew, but it's not it's a lot harder to stream something when you're not just putting on like a a uh, screen capture. It's screen capture is very easy to do off of Moto. Like that's the thing you can do. But most of Magic, the Magic I play, a lot of the people play is Paper Magic. You play it at your local game store. You play it at a PTQ. That's not streamed unless you have unless you have a full crew setup. That's never going to be streamed. So that's the difference. And I would say they still have an incredibly successful product and something that is well loved and has continued to, you know, grow and develop. And I, I think there's concern because. With the Zendikar era, the, the player base doubling for years there, this is like any time a company has a really successful run and then all of a sudden they're looking at last year's numbers and they look at last year's numbers a couple times and they're not making massive, massive increases. It's like you can't always just make massive increases in business. You just can't. I mean, some companies, I guess a couple companies ever have done that. But if you're making that level of increase, you can't just keep up the momentum. Sometimes you have stagnant years. Sometimes you take a loss. Magic's a great game. Like... I don't. I don't think that. I don't think that the product like this is coming because Wizards needs this. I think it's coming because they can see that there's unexplored territory. So what I'm hoping for is that they don't do something that destabilizes what we love now and kind of ruins it on a whim. And the thing that concerns me is the way they've handled the entire esports development, the, all of this, like so many poor decisions that we've talked about on this show, so many things that pro players have come on as guests and just scratched their heads over them and like, I don't understand. How did they revoke the prize structure? I don't understand. Like, why did they change this? Right? So many, so many decisions that we've, we've found ourselves questioning me. Like, I don't get it. This doesn't make any sense to me. This feels like it should be better thought out. I'm hoping that this move is better thought out and that we don't get something that for but 18 I, months... I want to even say that a lot of those moves are leading them towards a direction specifically for this. Like, I, like I, I, I think this 
because the first option we said, you know, it's kind of just a new product and that's easy and that's kind of easy for everyone to understand. But the possibly more likely and the reason you bring on an entire new CEO to run the company is some type of drastic change to the way Magic interacts with digital content. And, you know, Modo currently is hated. <laughs> um, but offers the ability to take your paper game and play digitally. Um, do you make it so every card comes with a, uh, you can scan it, and then that comes with a QR code on the bottom that lets you automatically get it in Moto? Do you have a system where, you know, you simplify Moto to make it a little bit easier for it to function in a, in a way at a higher level? Chaz, that's where Chaz's biggest options are of getting rid of, you know, instant speed anytime. So you, you get some specific windows and you can interact with the spell whenever you want. Getting rid of one of the main phases because it's just the kind of a, a, the, the one of the main phases is just vaguely unnecessary. Right. Getting rid of some of these other more difficult things so you can kind of create a product specifically for that while linking that to paper magic through digital redemptions. Um, I think that is the option that was most appealing to me of the different kind of options that are out there. I think that that's what other games do. Pokemon does that right now. The Pokemon card game, if you buy a Pokemon debt pack and there's a rare in it and you can, or any card you get, you can scan online and you have access to it. Um, so that's something that's pretty easily accomplished and will motivate people to play online and helps you get rid of the cost. Because the problem is if you make Moto Freemium, and you make it good enough that it's f fun, yep. does it take away people playing Magic the Gathering paper? I think it won't entirely, but I definitely think it could hurt sales. One way to encourage sales is the best way to get hyper-rare cards is by opening them in the real life, in real life packs. Now, that's a cool idea. And I, I, you, you said just for a second, then you corrected yourself, rares only. I think if you, if you made it so that the online economy that commons... Um, that commons for any standard legal set were freely available, like just a hundred percent free. Yeah, you could just have any of them. Even on commons, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I think that probably for for the purpose of online, once they shifted out of standard, I think that the commons would have to like just be available. I think just commons are just available. I, then how do you? But certain things like when the old the older sets, the the further you get away from a card being printed, think about some commons like so maybe maybe. I mean, the easy way to do that then is just. Serum like Visions three was bucks like, and you unlock the entire set, so common set. I don't know, but like Serum Visions was like an eleven dollar common eventually. Like that until I got reprinted, that was just an eleven dollar common. So like that's yeah, but that's that's in real life when the cards are real. I'm on on the internet for saying just common, and that's also when commons even in that world weren't yeah. unlimited. Like so, it, in this, we're saying like basic lands, you have access to commons on commons. commons. Okay, so yeah. that for the, for the sake of like for the it's such a small portion we're talking about there. So then I think you would say. There would be a QR code on every uncommon, rare, and mythic, and you would basically open a pack, and you'd lay out those four cards, um, and you would just hold your phone over it, and it would just scan it to your collection. Yeah. And that would be the thing. And it would be a little bit time-consuming, and hopefully, maybe eventually, a cool thing that they would do is, on the inside of every pack wrapping or something, there would be a QR code that uh, correlated with the four cards inside that pack. So you could just. But you could do. I mean, you, you put you, not even inside the pack. You put it on the the advert card. The problem then is you have to track what cards are in each pack, which right, becomes a little bit more difficult. But I mean, something like this is cool, and I like the idea. I do like the idea that it encouraged people to have their paper cards. Um, I do think you would have people that like. I mean, on one hand, that would make me play Moto immediately. I mean, like it would be a kind of a pain for the first time I did it to get my whole collection onto Moto. But the fact that I could like one of the reasons I don't play Moto 
regularly as regular as I should is that my just collection is so much larger in Paper Magic that the decks that I would want to be able to play are too expensive for me to hit a second time. Like I can't, I'm not going to buy Jund again on Moto. How do you get? How do you become backwards compatible? Then, if there's going to be like a QR code on cards with older cards, do you? If you, you already, don't. you just only have new cards available online. Yeah. So the Etern- so modern doesn't exist. I think I think you can start at Eternal. You can or not? You can start with modern. I, th- I think you have to get rid of Legacy and Vintage in this Magic. No, world. I'm not even talking that old. I'm yeah, talking yeah. like two years old. Like, what do you? So if so, if I have so you're saying to me that like no, I think Modern Masters. Uh, sets exist. I think there is a way for people to get those cards separately online. I, th- I don't think th- we start Moto over. I think we, I still have my collection. I think it's just this is how new sets kind of move forward, including Modern Masters, Eternal Masters, uh, Commander product. All of these have the ability to just kind of bloop, upload that card onto the online. Yeah, I still think you're, you're, you're screwing with the fact that like my collection that I have right now, your collection you have right now. It, they're just so diverse, and like you're saying, you everything you have now that's not like legacy or vintage, you just get. Well, to have I still have, we're not getting rid of no, no, no. We're not getting rid of the bizarre. We're not getting rid of the ability to trade for cards. Like all those cards exist, and that you don't get rid of Moto. If I have a Moto collection, my Moto collection continues. And if you want Tarmogoyfs, and Tarmogoyf doesn't come out in a, a set with a QR code, you have to trade for it online, and it still has value. I see. Got it. Got it. Got it. Like we're not getting rid of the cards that existed. I think you're saying that you, which is your suggestion right now, is that Moto collections would port over to the new system, sure, and that all new Plus cards still be Moto. We're saying like alter Moto to function differently. And every new card printed, every new pack printed, starting with the expansion that correlates with the release of Empty Digital Next, would have an upload code. So you'd be able to upload your new cards as you got them, and combine them with your old Moto collection. But every card that you own physically. Before this first QR code set would not be uploadable. And you, yeah, those they're not just, linked. They're those separated. would just be paper. Yes, that's all lost. That's all lost in the fire. No, I mean I play with them, and I can go to any GP and play with them. I mean, like, but in terms of the digital product, yes, that's and you can, what about a system that somehow eventually does Wizards offer a system where you can trade in based on like buy list prices to just get like new product or something with your old collection? Uh, I think that that would be a mistake from a planning perspective and a money perspective i don't think you need that i mean like to be totally honest i think you can very easily create this game to play basically as a frontier only format starting from magic the gathering or from magic origins forward and i can imagine them doing that and making it you know moving forward we're only going to include these sets um or even moving forward we're only going to include this standard and forward Whatever point they decide, and then that just grows that different product. Keep Magic the Gathering online separate, which is what they've said that they're gonna like. Digital Next might be a completely different product, and that's the easiest way to do it. Is even in your example or the first example of this is a different game, you still time your set releases at the same time. You still have the new set be linked. So Kaladesh or Aether Revolt, Heart of Kirin would work maybe differently in Magic Digital Next's Aether Revolts, Heart of Kirin, but they would be released to product at the same time. I think you keep that for these either way. Bottom line, if you had like magic flavor and you had magic mechanics and you had like all that stuff available in a game that was beautiful and on my phone and was was prominent in the same way that Hearthstone is prominent, it would be so cool. 
<laughs> it would just be so awesome. Right. That's kind of the point is like even that base level version, which isn't drastically changing magic. Because the third the third option is drastically changing the rules of magic to fit in a way that fits better on online games. Like the whole actual rules of magic like a, the gathering. Like, like a sixth edition rules update that like gets rid of main phases, changing how cards work. Like I think that's the scariest option and least likely. But I, if you wanted to like take the gradient of change magic in a way that online interacts with it in a like like the QR code system completely different separate product or magic changes drastically to fit better with Modo I think you're going to find them probably pick somewhere in the middle or the, the first one um I do think something needs to happen I like I, I agree with you that you know sometimes companies don't grow as fast as they were growing but there's also the statement that if you're not growing you're dying <laughs> um and I do think, like, you know, there were mistakes of Wizards looking at Hearthstone and being like, oh, that's just a completely different thing. They're not going to take market share. And I do think Hearthstone is partially responsible for some of the slower growth that Magic has seen. You know, the, the, when there's the only card trading card game option out there is Magic, then that's going to be the best one. But now there's a more popular version of a card game that's just digital, which is a format that people are more comfortable playing with anyways. You're going to run into losing market share that you were originally just gaining before. Um, yeah. Looking back, 6th edition was the, was the most drastic rules change ever in Magic, right? That's the that's when that's like the big. That's when they added the stack and yeah. So I'm looking at I'm looking at this now okay. just to try to remember what everything that happened and like how shocking it was. And I I actually recall going to the mall to Wizards of the Coast store and buying a box of Sixth Edition when it was out and it was a set. It was like a, a set in standard. And I remember opening like uncommon worldly tutors and mystical tutors and enlightened tutors and things like that and terrible rares. God, the rares in that set were so bad. Um, I think Shiv and Dragon might have been that set still as a rare. Um, but I'm reading about it now, and they made changes to the stack. They added the stack. They're countering spells, right? Interrupts were, I think, abolished at that point. Damage prevention and regeneration, triggered abilities, phases and steps, combat. They made changes to almost every phase of the game. Yet... Yeah, they got rid of mono, versus, mono artifact versus poly artifact versus All those artifact. little things. Yeah. And I guess looking back on that stuff, I like barely even remember how things were like it i don't remember like a lot of the dumb stuff that existed before then so maybe that's the sort of feeling that we would have if they did make a, ch a drastic change but i mean the kind of things that you're talking about doing are different than way certain cards interact with with like phases of turns getting rid of the card instant is not a good idea that's a bad idea for magic like you can't no, but getting rid of the ability to cast instants anytime you feel like it that you have priority like getting rid of priority and be more specific of these are the exact times these are available to you including responding so you get it during attacks after blocks end of turn beginning of turn and and uh, in response to spells versus but that's the complexity. I mean, that's the thing. See, that's where that's where I think about this, and I think about reducing it or changing it. And I'm just like, you make magic a worse game if you do that. That's it's magic is like the ultimate dual battle chess match, and there's so much mental stuff going on. You know, anticipating these different moments. I can see that you, if you want to make it more palatable to a new player, they're getting rid of that stuff works. But if you want to keep the if you want to keep magic's identity as like the best game ever, you can't dumb it down. You you can't get rid of those things. That's where that's where to me like I think about the kind of rules changes, even like the getting rid of a main phase. So you only have one main phase. 
that it's so important. Think about that. It's so each main phase is so important. Like I can't see you know, the suggestion was like, okay, so you get rid of the second main phase and the first main phase essentially becomes the upkeep. You have a draw step and then upkeep happens after draw or something like that. Mm -hmm. Not only does that screw with so many cards that have been printed over the years, like so many ideas that you have and so many decks and so like there's so many cards you read and you're just like, this no longer is, this is designed the wrong way now. This is designed to fit with something that does not exist. But look at all the mana burn cards. Look at all of the, yeah, just that in, in its entirety. Yeah, but that's... I mean, it was a, a, a small facet of the game, yes, but like Magic has survived cards no longer working correctly based on the rules that existed at the time. Look at uh, Leyline of Singularity. Uh, <laughs> I have. <laughs> Believe me, sir, I have. <laughs> like, for those who don't know, Leyline of Singularity makes cards legendary, all creatures legendary, and in the old legendary rule, it would prevent... It would kill all cards that were equal, the same in play. By playing it, I guess my feeling is just if you're gonna if you're gonna do a rules update, I can't see going drastic. I could see going small. I could see going a couple of different like a couple of different things where okay, you're reducing a little bit of the the interaction level, and there's like you know it gets a little simpler. But that's not going to be getting rid of being able to play instance three four different times in a turn. It's going to be just getting rid of three four times during a phase, um, and something like getting rid of a main phase. Maybe, but like not so that you could move upkeep to the main phase. So I, I just, for for my money, if if well, I think I think you could you could easily combine upkeep and draw step. Sure, agreed. If I go to a PPTQ or a GP and I'm playing with these this rule set that makes the game twenty five or thirty five percent less complex, and it's because they've released this new digital product, and that's how I'm now instructed I have to play it at the highest level it would probably deter my enthusiasm to stay playing magic. And I think that's a bad idea on their part. I know that they don't want to do that. And that risk we're talking about, that's a massive risk. That is a massive, sure. that, that's, that was, that was the, that's the third option. I don't, I, I do think the first or second option are more likely of offering digital in a freemium version that is simplified in some ways be it through timing and maybe making mana a little bit easier on digital and like making that digital a little bit different maybe. And then linking it through the cards you get on regular can link towards that gameplay. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, I definitely think it's a challenge for them. Fair enough. Any other thoughts on this? No, I think that's, I'm good. Sweet. Um, we are going to be doing a brew episode next week. Okay. Uh, Patreon brews. Uh, we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash the MM cast. Uh, we have a cool set of things going out this week to all of you that have been waiting on your Patreon things. It's sweet. Uh, it's a surprise. You're going to like it, though. It's personalized <laughs> in some way. Um, and uh, uh, do you have any brews that you're excited that you want to tease, that you want to just like mention what you've got in mind so that we can people are excited for next week? I'm assuming you do. No. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was a lie. <laughs> You got Stop nothing? lying to everyone. No, I got nothing. Uh, I mentioned I mentioned that I had been working for a little while, guys, like a long time ago. On well, long I've talked about rogue, like a rogues deck in modern for a long time, and the printing of metallic mimic got me really excited um, to work on a rogues deck. So I've been working on a list. And I know you've called me twice this week yeah. at like 11 p.m. Being like, okay, all right, so this I, rogue and this rogue. I think it's really cool. It's I don't think it's like. I don't think it's like high level tournament powerful. I haven't gotten to test it yet, but I've definitely built it in my phone and run like a hundred solitaire hands and it feels reasonable. There was also that like 
that Sahili deck that I built that I played like a couple games against you with, we never really took that any further. That seemed pretty sweet, though. It actually did pretty well, if I recall. Um, but next week, I'm going to talk about the Rogues deck. Uh, I will reveal all of my findings, and maybe Kester and I will play some games with it so he can actually like share his thoughts, too. But go to our Patreon, and if you donate at the $5 level, uh, we take deck submissions, brew submissions. We brew and, and tweak them and uh, tech them on the show. So we're going to do that next week. And uh, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, any other? Make sure to follow us on Twitter at the MMCast, at Ben Bateman Media, and at Kess Wiley. Make sure to check out Collected.Company. That is where you can find us and the Command Zone, uh, who does a podcast about Commander. If you like Commander or want to maybe learn more about it, they're a great place to kind of learn uh, what that format is about. If you are looking to just see what we look like a little bit more often than just hearing our voices, Check out our Instagram if you want to watch video versions of this where we have the cards show up. Uh, you can go to the YouTube uh, channel, which is uh, Top Decking TV on YouTube. And if you uh, want to just wish me a happy birthday, share your favorite episode on Twitter, or Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, Snapchat. Look at you. Staying up with the kids. Zeno, what was the what was the MySpace? Oh. <laughs> what was the Zanga? Zanga. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Friend, Friendster. Are we forgetting any really good ones? Meerkat. Vine. Yeah. Meerkat's gone. Vine's gone. I know. MySpace gone. No, MySpace. Is MySpace still is still around. It just is a bastardized child <laughs> of what it used to be. It's just like a shell. I don't even know what it is. I've gone there a couple times to like try to find something like. I wonder if like I could find this music of this artist yeah. I like. I want to see what my MySpace looks like right now on the podcast. We're in the we're in the realm of okay, so that's it for the episode. But we'll do fun things for people that stick around. Like check out my MySpace, uh, MySpace. dot com Xander five seven four. Why did you? Why are you five Xander five seven four? Why? Where did that come from? What's Xander? Uh, Xander five seven four is the second half of my last name. So I was like, oh, this is the part I'm not using. Uh, my name is Alexander. Oh, so Xander it. is the part that I'm not, which is Alex. Uh, and then five seven four was my home phone number, the first three numbers. Got it. And it just like has survived long enough because it was. Yeah. You know. Seems like you thought you were a cool like video game character, but actually it's not that at all. No, it's just my name. Got it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Like, it made me feel like you were Link574, but like Xander. You're like, ah, Xander's cool, and that's from some I like really game. liked Triple X, the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Xander Cage. Xander Cage. Uh, oh, man. Is your MySpace gone? I don't even know. Uh, oh, God. This search bar is awful. <laughs> Ish. I don't even know if I, I don't think I exist anymore. Songs, albums. Oh, because it's like a music it's thing only now. Music now. Ugh. Try MySpace.com. Let me try logging in. Oh, okay. Because uh, I have an account with MySpace still. Oh, man. That's so sad. When you log into MySpace, it brings up Twitter and Facebook at other, as other ways you can log into MySpace. Uh, I feel so bad. That's, that's actually kind of uh, depressing. Yeah. Some of you who are listening don't even remember that MySpace was a thing that existed. Yeah, so for those who don't know, MySpace is the precursor to Facebook. Oh, do I? I just don't have an account anymore. Try to go and try to see if you can find my old music page from when I was in uh, in high school. Uh, look up MySpace.com. Yep, slash. I don't exist on MySpace. Thank God. Uh. <laughs> try, try this one. Try, try MySpace.com 
slash dreams of the crash. Dreams of the, oh, I should put spaces, of the crash. Yes, look at that, top left. Top left? The picture there. No, no, it was it was a picture of three people standing. You just missed it. Oh, go back. Going back. Oh, no. Oh, you can't go back. Ugh, I have to search this. Look, okay. look, look, look. Top left. That's us. Oh, nice. Oh, guys, please, please go to MySpace and search oh, Dreams of the Crash. Is I'm there gonna... a song available? Yeah, there's definitely one song. Wow. This uh, is... So this is this is Ben's this high is school crazy. band. Well, this is a commercial. This is like post-high school. I think this is like when I came back from L.A. the first time to Seattle. This is a Nissan commercial you're listening to. This, I think that was like 18, 17. So that was probably 17 here. Wow, this is a thing that's still available. I can't believe this is still online. <laughs> wow. <coughs> that's you, right? Yeah, that's me singing you. I promise you guys I got better as I got older. And then I stopped singing. Wow. MySpace preserved this. Congrats, MySpace. All right, that's about enough of that. No, I think I think we I think we just go out on this. I think okay. This is the end of the episode. We're gonna fade out. Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we appreciate uh, you guys, um, you know, supporting the podcast and listening every week. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye guys. <laughs>
Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator.